0: Well, thank you, Dr. Gill, and welcome to Epic, everybody. So glad that you're with us. And I got to ask as we begin, how many of you are familiar with Dr. Phil? I know Dr. Phil, you know, the psychologist who became the famous uh, TV personality? Well, he learned everything that he knows from Dr. Gill. And Dr. Gill just so happens to be one of our very own church members. If you look around this morning, you just might meet Dr. Gill. And if you do, I encourage you to ask him a relationship question. He's got tons of knowledge to offer you as we start this new series on relationships. And as we begin, I need some help from you. So I'm going to describe a relationship scenario, and I need you to give me the most likely response in that scenario. Okay, So it should make sense as we get started. So I'm going to put you in this scenario in your dating years. So maybe those dating years were in the past. Maybe those dating years are in the, the future. Maybe you're in your dating years right now. But just in this scenario, just imagine that you are dating. And you're dating somebody that you've known for a little while, like maybe you've dated for about a year. There's some things you like about them, some things you don't like about them. You're kind of in the relationship, kind of not in the relationship. You know, you're just not fully sure. And then you get that phone call from your mom. And your mom asks, how are things going with what's her face or what's his name? What would you say are some of the most likely responses to mom in that scenario? Feel free to answer out loud. It's complicated. It's complicated. You hit it. So that is, is probably the biggest response, most likely response in that scenario. But the, the issue is when it comes to relationships today, many of our relationships are complicated. Dating relationships are complicated. Marriage relationships are complicated. Family relationships are complicated. Work relationships are complicated. Social media relationships are complicated. And you heard Dr. Gill reference that now on social media, you can mark your relationship status as it's complicated. Many of our relationships today are complicated. So what we're going to do in this series is we are going to try to uncomplicate some of the most important relationships that we can be in that can impact our lives. We're going to learn from from God as we walk through this series together. Today, we're going to talk about uncomplicating dating relationships. And then next week, we're going to talk about uncomplicating family relationships. And I encourage you to come next week or make sure you're tuning in online as, as we engage next week because we are all a part of a family or we've all been a part of a family. and When you think about family relationships, they impact us probably more than any other relationship in our lives. So don't miss next week. Now, uh, the cool thing about this series is it applies to all of us, and we're all in family relationships. And again, when it comes to dating relationships, you either are currently dating, you might date in the future, you may have sworn off dating, you may never date in your life, but you probably know someone who's dating and we understand the complexity of the dating world when it when it comes to dating today and so we understand that a lot of relationships be- can become damaged because of dating and the interesting thing is if you thought, you know, I'll never date again, maybe I'm married and and uh, you know, I'm I'm set for life. I actually have a friend Uh, who was married for about 40 years, and his wife died last year of cancer, tragically. And he has found himself in his 60s dating again. And and here he is, you know, looking back at some of these things that we're going to talk about today that he was dealing with in his early 20s. And so you just never know when you might be in a spot where you're dating again and might benefit from some of this information that we're gonna look at today. So what I encourage you to do today is to identify one truth that you can apply to your life or one truth that you can help somebody else apply to their lives. Because you might know somebody who's dating, and you might understand that they're wrestling with some of the things that we're going to talk about today. I also recommend that you take notes. So today would be an amazing day to take notes. If you're old-fashioned paper and pen, get that ready. If you've got a smartphone with you, you can pull that out and get your thumbs typing, Or you can take pictures of some of the slides as they come up today. Because uh, you're going to want to hold on to this information to help yourself or to help somebody else. Now, as a pastor, I talk to people all the time about dating relationships. Either it's a relationship that someone's in, or maybe it's a previous relationship uh, that they are harmed by, and they're trying to process how to, how to get out of some of the damage that has been created in their lives because of that. And it's interesting, when I'm talking with people about dating relationships, often people tell me things that aren't true. And it's not that they're lying. I, I don't think they're lying at all but I think they're believing things that aren't true in that moment when it comes to dating for them. And so today we're gonna look at the five most common lies that I have experienced when it comes to dating. There are a lot more lies that we believe out there when it comes to dating, but we're just going to narrow it down to five common lies that people believe when it comes to dating. And we're actually going to counterbalance that with God's truth. We're actually going to find more than just five truths from God's word that we can apply to our dating relationships. And here's what we need to know as we dive into scripture. This might be a shock to you, but back in Jesus' day, they didn't date the way that we date today. Big shock, I know. But dating has has changed a lot through the years. We don't even date the same way we dated 20 years ago. So dating has changed a lot, but scripture still applies. Scripture still applies to us, and we're going to learn today that scripture can apply to even our changing dating relationships today. So we got a lot that we're going to learn, and uh, we're going to begin with lie number one. So everybody ready for this one? All right, I got three people up front ready. So the first common lie that I think every pastor, every counselor has heard, maybe you've said it, maybe you're thinking it right now about a relationship that you're in, and it's this. I wasn't looking for this relationship. It just happened. Anybody ever heard that before? Anybody ever said that before? So I understand the idea behind that statement. And the idea behind the statement is, hey, I wasn't really looking for this relationship when it came along. But that part of the statement is true. The other part begins the lie. When we say it just happened, we find ourselves stuck in a relationship that we may or may not need to be in. Why? Because it just happened. We've got to be careful about that. Hey, how did you guys get together? I don't know. It just happened. Hey, how'd you get married? I don't know. It just happened. Hey, how'd you decide to have kids? I'm not sure. It just happened. (laughs) So the, the more we chase that lie, the more in trouble we get. So the truth is we are responsible for the people we choose to date. We're responsible for the people that we choose to date. And I think embracing that truth can help strengthen the relationship that we're in. I mean, imagine communicating to this special someone in your life like, hey, like them asking you, do you you love me? Like, yeah, you know, like our love just kind of happened. So sure. Or imagine saying, yes, I chose you. Those are two different statements. And I think embracing the truth that we chose the relationship can strengthen that relationship or it can help us to step back and evaluate that relationship. And maybe making the statement, I chose this, and if we make that statement and go, ooh, I don't know that I like that choice, great. Then evaluate whether you should be in that relationship. If you shouldn't, then you have the freedom, if you're dating, to make another choice. If you're married, that's a whole other message, a whole other conversation for another day, OK? So I do think we need to replace the lie of it just happened with I chose this relationship to happen. All right, that's lie number one. Lie number two, I'm, not, uh, I'm no one if I'm not with someone. Lie number two is I'm no one if I'm not with someone. This is a foundational lie that affects way too many people in our world. And it's interesting that our culture doesn't support marriage a whole lot anymore, but our culture also communicates this mixed message that if you're not with somebody, there's something wrong with you. And it's okay to be out there dating all kinds of people, but if you're not dating someone right now at this point and you're single, our world will communicate to you, there's something wrong in your life. But I want you to listen to the truth from scripture. This comes through the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 8, he says, so I say to those of you who aren't married and to widows, it's better to stay unmarried just as I am. Paul was a single guy. He didn't feel like that was a, a bad thing in his life. And he goes on in verse 32 to explain why he thinks that's better. I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. His interests are divided. In the same way, a woman who is no longer married or has never been married, can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and in spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. I'm saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few restrictions as possible. Here's what we learned from that short passage there. Paul placed a high value on being single because single people can focus on serving the Lord in ways that married people can't. And get this, God's ultimate goal for you is not that you get married. God's ultimate goal for you is that you enter a relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ, and that you learn to become more like Jesus. That's the big thing that God wants for all of us. And getting married or engaging a significant relationship outside of God is not God's top priority in our lives. So if you're single, don't buy into the lie that something's wrong with you if you're not with someone. That's not true. You are significant and special and valuable all by yourself. If you were the only person who would ever put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, Jesus still would have died for you. You are that valuable. So if you're single, I think you need to reject the lie from our culture and embrace the truth that Paul was talking about and live out of the freedom of your worth in Christ. Now, Paul didn't say that it was wrong to get married. But more and more people today are choosing not to get married. Some people don't get married because they aren't fully sure about the relationship they're in. Some people don't get married because they don't see the benefit or the real need for marriage. And other people today aren't getting married because they're believing this third lie that we're gonna talk about, and it's this. If I don't commit, I won't get hurt. If I don't commit, I won't get hurt. And I talk to too many people kind of in that scenario who have gotten hurt before they engaged a significant relationship. Uh, maybe they were married, went through a painful divorce, and they don't want to be alone, but they certainly don't want to get hurt at that level again. And so often what I see is they'll jump into another relationship. Maybe they'll make commitments like, uh, we're going to buy a house together. Uh, Maybe we're going to share our families together. Maybe there's kids involved. Maybe it's a blended family situation. Or maybe we'll start having our own kids. And yet there's still this lie that they're believing that if I don't commit, I won't get hurt. And when I engage a conversation with somebody like that, I start asking questions like, uh, do you see the commitments that you're already making? Like you're making some significant commitments. You're buying a home together, having children together. I mean, those are big commitments. And here's the truth that we need to understand. You can get hurt in any kind of relationship, committed or not. Aren't you excited for that truth this morning? <laughs> Welcome to Epic. Thanks for coming. But there's more. So yes, we can get hurt in any kind of relationship but God wants to minimize that so here's a, a truth I think that we need to embrace uh, we need to let sink into our minds and it's that God wants to minimize our relational pain more than we do God wants to minimize your relationship pain more than you do and that applies whether you're single you're dating you're dating again you're, you're married you're divorced it doesn't matter God wants to minimize our relational pain. And in order for that to happen, we actually have to learn to do relationships God's way. So that's what we're learning through this message today. And we'll be learning uh, as we continue next week. So here's what I recommend if you are dating someone or you're thinking about dating. I recommend that you spend some time reading the book of Proverbs. Book of Proverbs is known in the Bible as the book of Wisdom. It's written by the wisest man who ever lived. And when you read the book of Proverbs, you will find all kinds of truth that you can apply to your lives. And when it comes to looking at relationships through the filter of dating, there are many amazing truths that we can apply still to this day, even though that was written thousands of years ago. Now, here's the sad thing about the book of Proverbs and specifically Solomon, who wrote most of it. Solomon failed to apply some of the wisdom that he offered. And it led to some relational pain in his life. Again, God wants to minimize that, so we have to learn this stuff, and we have to apply it to our lives. And I want to give you a few examples of the wisdom that Solomon offers us. So in Proverbs sixteen thirty-two, it says this. And ladies, pay attention. Better to be patient than powerful. Better to have self-control than to conquer a city. So ladies, if if you're dating, you're thinking about dating, and and you're looking at that guy that that you're interested in, is he powerful only, or does he have patience? If he's powerful, and he's successful at work, he gets things accomplished, he gets what he wants, and yet he doesn't have patience, and he doesn't have self-control, guess what? When it comes to your relationship, there will be a whole lot of relational pain that you'll experience. He will push you in ways you do not want to be pushed he will stretch your relationship in ways you do not want that relationship to be stretched he will ask of you things that you do not want to give so if he's powerful but he's not patient and he doesn't have self-control i would say danger 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 stay away from that kind of guy now here's something for the guys in reference to ladies proverbs 31:30 It says, charm is deceitful, and beauty does not last, but a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. So guys, if she's beautiful now, and she's charming, but she doesn't love God, guess what? That stuff's gonna disappear quick. It'll disappear faster than when wrinkles show up on her face. It'll disappear very quickly. Again, charm is deceitful. Beauty does not last. It does not last. But someone who fears the Lord should be greatly praised and is someone who is worth being in a relationship with. It's it's worth pursuing them and connecting with them long term. So um, there's nothing wrong with physical attraction. You know, physical attraction is a big thing in our world today. It's been a big thing for a lot of years. Nothing wrong with physical attraction. I actually think physical attraction is is part of a God thing, the way God has designed us. But I would not get into a committed relationship just because of that. If all you have is she's hot and he's handsome, that's going to burn away quick. Because you're going to wake up one day, and she's not going to be so hot. And he's not going to be so handsome. And then what do you have? You don't have anything to hold on to. So I would not get married without attraction, physical attraction, but I would not get married just because of it. So um, that has led to too much relational pain. And if you give yourself time to know someone, you can find out what they're like beyond the charm, beyond the beauty, And that is incredibly important because time is our friend when it comes to some of these most important relationships that we can be in. So again, that's just some of the wisdom that you can get from the book of Proverbs. And I encourage you to spend some time reading through the book of Proverbs. And I encourage you to make a list of standards that you want the other person to live in their lives. So as you're reading Proverbs, there's 31 chapters in it. So you can get through it in about a month. If you read one chapter per day, I encourage you to read a chapter and just write down a list of standards that you'd like to have in someone that you date. And then evaluate people based upon those standards. Uh, If you're uh, interested in somebody and you hold up your standards and they don't live up to those standards, don't date them. It's that simple. If they seem to live up to those standards, Take another step, go slow, and continue to evaluate, making sure they're not faking it until they get you. That happens a lot. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a second. So just take some time to evaluate and see whether the person you're interested in is going to live up to those standards that uh, that are important in your life. Now, if you don't have a Bible, We've got Bibles at the back of each seating section. Please take one as our free gift to you. If you've got a smartphone, you can download the YouVersion Bible app. And I recommend that you start reading the New Living Translation because of its reader friendliness. And you can find the book of Proverbs. If you take our paperback Bible, it's like right in the middle. If you take the Bible and you open it up right in the middle, you should be really close to Proverbs or Psalms. And they're right next to each other. And I encourage you to spend some time uh, developing that standard list for dating. Now, here's a truth that comes outside of the book of Proverbs that's still applicable to us today. Again, it's the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. He says, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. Now, many translations say, don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. And unequally yoke goes back to farming days, goes back to agriculture. And in that society, when Paul was writing this, that was a big deal specifically for the Jewish uh, world. And so what they would do is they take this yoke, and a yoke is, and we're not talking eggs here, okay? So we're talking about an instrument that would put two animals together to plow a field. And most of us get that concept. But I want you to imagine taking an ox and a donkey and putting them together to plow a field. What kind of straight line are you going to have? You're not going to have one. It's going to be all over the place. You've got different strength. You've got different speeds. So one animal is going to be pulling in one direction. The other animal is going to be pulling in the other direction. The donkey might sit down and go, I'm not going anywhere. So there's all kinds of bad things that can happen in the context of trying to plow a field with animals that are not equally yoked, that are not the same. That principle applies to us today when it comes to dating relationships. And the cool thing is, is God's uh, uh, advice that he offers here is not just for Christ followers. It's for the non-Christian as well. And God comes along and says, listen, I want to protect both of you from relational pain. Because if you are unequally yoked in a dating relationship, one of you is going to want to pull one direction, and that's going to be painful. Another one's going to want to pull the other direction. And that's going to be painful. And God says, listen, I want to save you from the pain of that. So don't get into a committed relationship with someone in a dating relationship kind of situation with someone who doesn't share your faith. If you do, it will hurt. And this next statement is going to be really corny. OK, so again, think about being unequally unequ- yoked. Think about the concept of different animals in that. And I think this, if you are unequally yoked when you're dating, you might get choked, Okay, it's corny. I get it, I know, I know. But that's probably the only thing you'll remember all day long, okay? So if you're unequally yoked, you might get choked because you're headed in one direction the other person's heading in the other direction and this yoke is pulling against your neck and that's not what you want. And God says, that's not what I want for you either. So if you're a Christ follower, don't date someone who's not a Christ follower. If you're not a Christ follower, don't date someone who is because they're gonna pull you in a direction probably that you don't want to go. Again, the Bible, I think, is full of wisdom that can help uncomplicate our complicated relationships if we'll just learn it and apply it. And that leads to our fourth truth about dating, our fourth actually lie about dating. The fourth common lie about dating is this. I can't find anyone like that. So often when I get into this type of conversation with somebody and we start talking about standards that God has in Scripture, um, they'll say back to me, like, I can't find anybody like that. And when I push a little bit farther on that, the, the statement behind that that I hear is, I don't know if I can wait that long. Like, I don't know if I can wait that long for for someone to come along. And when someone buys into that thought that they can't wait that long for someone to come along, they often settle. And then they say, uh, well, since I can't find a godly person who lives up to the standards that I see in scripture, then I'm going to lower my standards a little bit and settle for a sort of godly person. The problem with sort of godly people is they aren't godly people. That's, that's part of the problem, which is going to lead to relationship pain that we've got to be careful about. So I spoke with somebody years ago, and so this illustration I'm going to use is not, does not apply to anybody here at Epic. This happened before Epic started, and the conversation I was having with somebody that we were talking about some relational pain that they were in. They started dating someone, got married, and then they're walking through a painful divorce when I had a conversation with them. And they said this, they said, listen, like when we started dating, I told them that going to church and God and faith were big issues in my life. And they said, yeah, they were issues in their lives as well. And then when we got married, which was a quick marriage, then all of that disappeared. They stopped doing that. And then their relationship fell apart again because they were unequally yoked. So I had asked, said, listen, um, was that person doing those things before you started dating? And her answer was, no, they weren't. They just said it was important to them as well. So then I had to talk to her about the whole fake it thing, because sometimes we can fake things to get things that we want. And so we need time to evaluate that relationship. And, and we, that, that allows us the time that we need to learn and observe in somebody else his life and see what they're doing, how they're living. And again, just dating a sort of godly person can can lead to a lot of pain. Now, here's what I know about waiting for the right type of person. Waiting is painful. Like I get it, waiting is painful. Waiting is lonely. But I also know that regretting is more painful. Anybody ever dated somebody you wish you wouldn't have dated? Anybody ever been in a relationship you look back on, you're like, oh, man, what was I thinking? Like, at that time, I thought it was the greatest thing in the world. And then you know, some things happened, and then I started opening my eyes to see what was happening. And then like, oh, my goodness. Like, I can't believe I believed a lie. And many of us understand what that is like. And so we've got to be careful about jumping into stuff too early, just because we're, we're trying to avoid the pain of waiting. Because the pain of regretting is worse than the pain of waiting. Again, God wants to minimize our relational pain. He wants to strengthen us while we are waiting. And here's what we're supposed to be doing while we're waiting. Sometimes we think, well, I'm just sitting around doing nothing. That's not true. While we're waiting on God to bring the right type of person along, we should do the hard work of becoming. The hard work of becoming more like Jesus. Again, that's God's ultimate goal for us is that we become more like Jesus. And we need time to to learn how to do that so that we can become the type of person that we're waiting for. And as you develop your list of standards from the scriptures and uh, evaluating other people in their lives and how they're living that as far as dating is concerned, you need to evaluate whether you're living that in your life or not. It's super important for us to learn how to apply the stuff that we hope to find in someone else. We'll never attract somebody else uh, who we hope is living that way if we're not living that way ourselves. And in the process of waiting, in the process of working to become, it's never wasted time. It's working time. It's time for us to evaluate our lives and evaluate where we're like Jesus, where we're not like Jesus, what lies we're believing, what truth we need to replace that with. And as we're doing that, we may discover some things about ourselves. Like You might discover this. You might discover when you're working on becoming more like Jesus and waiting for God to bring the right type of person along, you might discover that your picker is broken. For those of you who drifted off because I was getting a little bit boring there and you just snap back and you're wondering like, what did he say? Like, is that okay? Can you say that in church? Like, let me clarify. Um, I I talked to too many people who have a string of broken relationships and their question is, what's wrong with all these people? (laughs) Anybody ever thought that or heard that? Yeah. So my question back is, um, what is the common denominator in all of those relationships? And the answer is that person. And so maybe uh, for whatever reason in their lives, their ability to discern right types of relationships and apply biblical principles to their lives and other, other relationships is broken. And so they end up picking the same type of person again and again. And so until we recognize that, until we slow down enough to fix that, we're just going to have more broken relationships. So we need to slow down and work on becoming more like Jesus so we can fix our picker and get a better ability to discern and choose wisely when it comes to one of the most important relationships that can impact us for the rest of our lives. There's a lot of stuff that we can learn when we slow down and uh, work on becoming. And the reality is, we're never going to get to the end of that process. So when somebody gets married, they can't say, I've arrived. I, I no longer have to work on becoming like Jesus. I now have chosen someone. <laughs> hey, you've got to work on that the rest of our lives. No matter how long you've been married, whether you're single, dating, a widow, it doesn't matter. We've got to all work on becoming more like Jesus. And again, that's never wasted time. You will never regret the time that you spend working to become like Jesus. That's the most important thing that God wants from us. All right, you ready for our last common lie that people believe? The last common lie is this. If you've got a young child with you, you might want to plug their ears. Or if they can read, you might want to cover their eyes. Um, number five is this. Sex won't complicate my relationship. Sex won't complicate my relationship. Now, when we're in the outside of a relationship, we look at that and we say, oh, well, that's, that is a lie. We know that, that, that sexual intimacy will complicate uh, most relationships. But when we're wrapped up in a dating relationship, often we think, oh, it, it won't apply to me, but it does. So here's why sexual intimacy complicates dating relationships. God gave sexual intimacy as a gift that unites a married couple And after God brought Adam and Eve together in Genesis chapter two and verse 24, it says, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. So God designed sexual intimacy to be something that brings a man and a woman together in the context of marriage, it's a part. It's not the total glue, but it is a part of the glue that bonds that relationship together. When we use it inside of God's design, the relationship gets stronger. When we use it outside of God's design, through premarital sex or extramarital sexual intimacy, it actually weakens our relationship. It creates insecurity, instability in our relationships. And God wants to minimize our relationship relationship pain. And that's why he says, use sexual intimacy in the context of marriage between a man and a woman. And if you do, it will flourish. If you don't, it will cause a lot of pain. I think a lot of us understand that whether we've experienced it in our own lives or we've looked at other people and seen it in their lives. I think that's why God said through Paul in 1 Corinthians 6, 18, he said, run from sexual sin. I think the the literal Greek there says, run, forest, run. There's no other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does for sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. What was that price? His son, Jesus, dying on the cross for you, because you are that valuable. God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. And that truth applies to us whether we're single, we're dating, we're married. And again, God wants to minimize our relational pain. And for us to use intimacy inside of his design, it actually minimizes and it strengthens our relationship. We use it outside of God's design, and it causes unnecessary pain. All right, we've covered a lot of ground this morning. So what I recommend again as we're kind of rounding the corner is that you identify one truth. What's one truth that you need to focus on today and apply to your life? Or what's one truth you need to help somebody else apply in their lives? And I'm going to give you some resources that can help you or help somebody else who's in a dating situation, maybe somebody who's believed one of these lies. And here's the really cool thing about a relationship with God is if you have believed one of these lies and you've kind of messed up, Our God is the God of second chances. He offers do-overs all the time. And so we come to him and we confess that stuff. Say, God, I need your help. He forgives us and he helps us replace lies with truth. So I encourage you to find that one thing you need to work on and then that one thing maybe you need to help somebody else work on. Now, here's two resources I recommend that you get if you're dating or you know someone who's dating. And there are two books. I think you should, everybody should have in their library. One is The Sacred Search by Gary Thomas, and one is The New Rules for Love, Sex, and Dating by Andy Stanley. Great Christian resources that can help you understand uh, God's standards when it comes to these most important relationships and how to become more like Jesus. If you need to take a picture of that, go ahead and take a picture of that. I've got it listed on our Spiritual Growth Challenge as well, and uh, you can take that with you today and have those resources or or have access to those resources. Now, if if I've talked about something today that's kind of pricked your heart or stepped on kind of a wound or uh, an issue that you need to talk about today, I encourage you to stop by our care table before you leave, or I'll be out in the lobby as well and and love to have a conversation with you if you'd like to have that conversation. Um, And again, next week, we're going to talk about uncomplicating family relationships, and I cannot encourage you enough to come and, and be a part of this or watch online. Because we're all in family relationships, and we all know what it's like to experience the complications and the pain of those family relationships. Now, as we close today, our worship team's going to come out, and they're going to sing a song for us called More Like Jesus. And as we sing with them, I encourage you, whether you're dating or you're married or um, you're single, I encourage you to evaluate how you're doing at becoming more like Jesus. Just spend some time talking to God about how you're doing and allow him to speak to you. If there's an area of your life that you need to address, uh, address that today and address that this week. So let's pray and then we'll sing together. God, it's so cool to me that um, scripture is so applicable to our lives no matter what generation we're living in. Lord, we've read things this morning that were written several thousand years ago, and yet that truth is still applicable for us when it comes to lies that we believe when it comes to dating. And Lord, I know that as I'm talking to this audience here, there are some who are in a dating relationship, some who are thinking about dating, some who aren't dating right now, but maybe dating in the future. Dating relationships can be one of those relationships that strengthens us in our relationship with you. Or it can be one of those relationships that hurts us and actually pulls us away from you. So Lord, I ask that you would speak powerfully to all of us about the one truth that we need to apply to our lives or the one truth we need to help somebody else apply to their lives so we can uncomplicate these types of relationships. Lord, as we sing this morning about becoming more like you, I pray that you would put your finger on that area in our lives that we need to work on, that spot where maybe we're not quite enough like you yet. And Lord, I pray that you would give us some clear action items to apply to our lives today and this week. In Jesus' powerful name we pray, amen.